the global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the GC Podcast. I'm so excited to have Brian Chen with us. He is the force behind Room. He's the CEO and co-founder. And Brian, I'd love to know how you are this morning. Not your business. I want to hear about you personally. Well, thanks for having me. I was thinking about that question. And honestly, (laughs) when you're the founder of a company, it's really hard to to keep those, to compartmentalize and to keep Mm -hmm. yourself as a human different, you know, separate from how your business is doing. So, you know, I, I think I have a loving wife, love my family and have close friendships that I've been able to uh, keep up, but very difficult to juggle that with with the business. So, well, you um, know what? That's that I like that. That's super real. And the reason I do that question always is because when I worked for Dell, I was very immersed in Dell and corporate America for a long time. And whenever people asked me how I was, I told them how my job was, and then I realized that's not okay. <laughs> and so I get real specific because. I want people to make sure that we're relating to each other as humans and just not workers. No, it's 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 really important, really important to ask, and uh, really I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think people say you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. And true I think that during stress, you know, particularly uh, stressful times of building a company, it's one of those times you just have to acknowledge you're not going to have uh, you're not going to have it all. Yeah, you know, balance so. is hard for sure. Okay, so now that we know how you are as a human, how's business? It's it's been a it's been a roller coaster to be very honest, right? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, for all of us who work in a business that is even adjacent or, or tangentially related to offices, you know, it's it's been a roller coaster of uh, of the last three years ever since the pandemic. So you know, just like I'm sure a lot of of other co working spaces, we've had we had a significant drop in our sales post pandemic. Uh, but then really came storming back in 21, going into early 22. And now we've been weathering kind of just the climate of uncertainty when it comes to what recession looks like, what those interest rate hikes are going to do to the economy. So uh, we're growing from 21 to 22. We actually doubled, over doubled our sales. Wow. We're continuing to to grow and we're seeing that pick up in demand from because flexibility is, you know, in, in demand. Um, mm-hmm. And our products definitely help facilitate flexibility and hybrid work and the privacy needed for doing podcasts like this or for any kind of video conferencing. So we're seeing, you know, I think long-term tailwinds when it comes to why our product makes sense in the world that we live in. Uh, But just like anyone else over the last three years, it has been, you know, up and down and, and a little bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. I think we tend to forget, like we just went through this absolutely insane period of time. And yeah, we're all just like back at it. And like, I was even marveling, you know, we have juicy next week, and literally nobody has mentioned the word COVID to us, not once. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, it went from like the most talked about thing to like, let's not talk about that anymore. (laughs) Um, And it's like, 
it wasn't that long ago. And I'm, I am, um, I'm a little shocked that you're not having more demand right now. Like I understand why, because of the economic uncertainty, but everybody I'm talking to is like, we need more phone booths. We need more phone booths. Phone booths are needed. We need more phone booths because people are going into these spaces, but they're all on Zoom calls. So they do need a space. And I know I go to lots of co-working spaces around Austin, Texas, and you can't get a phone booth. They're all full all the time. Yeah. Well, it's actually really an interesting trend that we're seeing right now where we're actually seeing more inbound interest than, you know, like you said, than ever before. And people are asking and it's people are waiting for budgets to get approved. People are waiting to see how, you know, Mm. Silicon Valley banking crisis shakes out. Yes. Yes. Uh, We will get to that. um, Evolve. So um, I think we're, I've never been more bullish about what we are doing and never more convicted in the thesis that these modular products, modular architectural products will help facilitate flexibility, facilitate greater work environments that are perfectly adapted to hybrid work. I think we're do- we're working on all of the right things that people need. So from that sense, you know, yeah, feeling very positive about where we are, but certainly yeah. not immune to uncertainty in the economy. Yeah. Well, I am super fascinated, as I think you know, by the rise of Room, because you guys came, in my opinion, out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, I saw Room everywhere. And it's just so beautiful, so sleek, so well made, so thoughtful. And I know why, because I met your designer a few years ago in New York. But I'm just curious how you were like, okay, it's phone booths. And, and then you just went all in on it. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about that story. Yeah. Well, so I, you know, I identify as a, as a, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, I started a company before Room. And after leaving that company, was kind of exploring what the next idea would be. And a friend of mine, another founder was complaining about noise in the office. And Mm. he conveyed to me the need for more phone booths in his office. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, I, 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 I kind of, I liken the the process of just kind of pulling at a yarn of curiosity. You know, I, my friend was telling me, hey, there need to be more phone booths in the office. I asked myself, wow, I've never even heard of phone booths in the office. <laughs> what is this? Why doesn't it exist? And why do people complain so much about open floor plans? And it was pulling at that yarn that just led me to, I would say, two two insights, really. You know, I had never come from the, the co-working space, uh, never come from uh, an architecture background or the furniture background, mm-hmm. but with, with, I would say, eyes of, you know, with naivete, right? And I just started asking, like, why does this problem exist for so many millions of people and why isn't there a better solution? And I realized that phone booths were just the symptom of a much bigger problem. And to me, there are two insights that really got me excited to start Room. The first was that when I surveyed the landscape of brands, you know, in, in the office, I struggled to find one that I felt was synonymous with the idea of healthy, mm-hmm. productive, creative, fun work environments. And that felt like a big white space. You know, there isn't a brand that truly resonates with the consumer or with the employee who's in the office mm-hmm. and kind of spending all of their time in these offices. And so definitely felt like there was an opportunity to build a brand in the workspace. Yeah. Um, the second insight was that the underlying problem for why people were missing privacy and uh, experiencing too much noise in the office was that the way that offices are built out is extremely complicated. And 
the number of stakeholders involved, the amount of time and money that's involved is really extraordinary. And as a founder, I had gone through the experience of building out offices in the past and Mm -hmm. had gone through the experience of you know, working with a broker, working with a architect and designer, you know, furniture dealer, or going to Ikea and uh, (laughs) and stuff. And I knew that it was this very complex, long process. And on top of that, when you sign a lease, you're oftentimes signing a lease that's five, seven, 10 years. When if you're a small startup growing quickly, you don't know what the next 12 months looks like, what the next 24 months looks like. And so the, the, and I was at that time in 2017, which is when we were founded, we launched in 2018, uh, all the co-working spaces were kind of flourishing, right? This was kind of mm-hmm. the height of uh, WeWork's rise. And it occurred to me that, you know, even if with all this co-working, really for that future workplace to truly exist and be viable economically, you need to, to, to make not just leases flexible, but you need to make the entire tenant improvement and, and furnishings aspect flexible as well. And the only way to do that was modular. So when I thought back on my friend's comment that he needed more phone booths in his office, I realized that, you know, if you have a modular phone booth that ships flat, assembles on site, that's a replacement for construction. Yeah, That's a a new way of building out an office. And a huge pain point when you are building out an office is you got to tear down what was there before. You got to white box it. You got to rebuild it. That's very wasteful. It takes a ton of time. And when you do something like a phone booth and you expand that to the larger formats and all the other kind of architectural components of the interior of an office, what you have is you have a portfolio of products that are quick to deploy, flexible to change, more affordable than construction, and also more sustainable because you're eliminating those cycles of waste where uh, you have to tear down and build up. So just became really excited about this opportunity, as I was saying, on the one hand, to to help create a brand that resonates with employees in the office. And on the second, on the other hand, to to kind of change the way that interior construction is deployed in offices. And you know, that's that's why we got interested in room. I would, you know, it, it was a journey of curiosity and asking questions though. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, it was a process of discovery it was not a single, you know, light bulb moment to say, this is the future. Well, you hit it. And I mean, I, I remember really early on when I discovered room, I was like looking at your website and I was seeing like, I think it was, it was like the NBA or the NFL on it. Like you had traction so quickly. Um, yeah. like, like what are, what are your sales at now if you can share that? Yeah, you know, we do over fifty million dollars a year in annual sales and for amazing a, a five year old company that has gone through a pandemic and recession, I think yeah. that, you know it's it, phenomenal. It, thank you. And it, it, I guess going to that naivete that we started with, we wanted to make the process simple. So we we started off by putting our, our phone booth on a website and selling it via e-commerce. And mm-hmm. you know, when we started, I I wasn't that familiar with how furniture dealers work. I wasn't that familiar with how um, pricing works in that industry. And it's it can mm-hmm. be quite, quite complicated and it can be very well, it can, it, opaque, that really the opposite of, you know, user-friendly and transparent. I mean, it's just back to another industry that needed to be disrupted. I mean, the furniture dealers like are just standing in the way of innovation, in my opinion. So we were, you know, because we made 
these assumptions that people wanted to look for our product online and wanted to transact and buy online where the traditional channels don't really do much of that, we were able to get a very quick start uh, in terms of our growth. And yeah, it was very early on, you know, one of the the moments where I said, wow, this is something that we're really onto something is mm-hmm. we had early prototypes of our product, uh, photos of them, amateur photos uh, on our website, very basic landing page. And we had a facilities manager from Nike and one from Microsoft call. And yeah. I was shocked. You know, I'm yeah. CEO of the company picking up the call because we don't have any employees. <laughs> and I'm asking who's calling and it's, you know, Nike and Microsoft. And they're, t- they're, they're telling me about how dire a problem they're, fa- mm-hmm. they're facing and how the, the existing solutions are either way too expensive or just unsatisfactory. And so that was one of the the moments where, you know, I realized that, yeah, that we were onto something and, that the direct channel and the direct channel being meeting customers where they want is very much part of mm-hmm. our company. Yeah. Today. I mean, that's what Dell did. They removed the middleman. Yep. Yeah. Like you did the same thing and it's phenomenal. I fully expect to see you on how I built this soon. And also your book should be pulling at the yarn or your podcast or whatever. <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy. So when I was with you in New York in 2021 at Juicy and we were touring your showroom, we were seeing these standalone meeting rooms. We saw a prototype of a conference room and this ability to do entire floors with just drop-in modular. And so I just wanted to follow up on that and see how's that going? Are people adopting it at scale and and what you're learning in that business? So what we you know, when we started with the phone booth, we 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 realized very quickly that people would buy the phone booth and they would find that employees use the the product all the time and they didn't have enough. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and they turn it into their own private office for the day. Yeah, and this led to um, you know a question for us, which was, what's the right number of phone booths for an office to have? And uh, we wanted to take a data-driven approach to that. Uh, we talked to people at Cushman Wakefield who had helped us find our first office. We talked to a bunch of workplace strategists and they explained that the methodology for determining these types of things was that they would ha- send, you know, almost an intern into an office, you know, once per hour on the hour and just take note of how many people were in the conference rooms, how many people were in phone booths, etc. Yeah. So we started looking at that but then we also struck a partnership with Density. The yep. uh, I, I, I met Andrew, the CEO over there, several years ago, and then uh, and also kind of looked at our own sensors. And what we found was that the most in-demand space outside of phone booths was a four-person kind of room, and mm-hmm. that the the big problem with with the, that particular size of room was that. For the most part, people it would be like a third of the time it was just one person taking a phone call in there. Yeah, but it was by looking at these um, analytics from density, from our own sensor experiments, and from these kind of Cushman Wakefield like manual recording mm-hmm. exercises, we knew that uh, the next product for us had to be basically a room for four. Uh, that was just based on foot traffic and data, the most needed product that was missing at the time, and so. We launched the the meeting room, which 
It's designed to, to accommodate up to four people. It was then the pandemic hit and we actually decided to use the same footprint and make it into a focus room because mm. it's so more of a private office. So that that footprint ended up becoming what we call room small out of our room series. So it's in our roadmap, we have room small, room medium, room large, and it gets to larger and larger footprints to larger and larger groups. But uh, it's really these smaller spaces that are in, in, in the most demand. And so we launched that. Now those these room small units are over 30% of our of our sales. Wow. Um, so people are really buying kind of um the mix of products, right? They know that phone booths are needed, but they also know that these small meeting rooms for one-on-ones and for hybrid collaboration are also needed. You know, one of the the innovations I think that we're very proud of or features that we're very proud of for the meeting room is we we designed it specifically with hybrid collaboration in mind. So what that means is you can go into the room, uh, the AV setup is pre-built. So it's there's a 180 degree camera um, and a, pre, uh, a pre-installed um, Dell monitor. And what that allows for is you can avoid the awkward angles sometimes mm-hmm. that happen when you have a mix of people who are both in-person and remote. And yeah. it's inevitable. And you don't want uh, one end of that you know to, equation to lose because mm-hmm. if the remote experience isn't positive or if the in-person experience isn't positive where you know the camera's in one person and you're not off camera or someone can't hear you or whatnot, that's where the hybrid work starts to fail and you know we believe that we've designed in that product a very intentional experience that's better than what you would have if you were to you know to hire an av technician mm-hmm. and an, an architect and general contractor to build out your own meeting room and what's so great about it now is there is also such uncertainty about how people are coming back when they're coming back when will they need what and so having options and the ability to change things on the fly i think is is really important these days hey there popping on to make sure you've heard our latest news juicy is going global again in 2023 you'll be able to find us in the uk canada and australia if you're ready to level up your co-working and flex space business juicy is the place to be We've got top-notch speakers, amazing networking opportunities, and the best service providers in the industry. For more information about our upcoming conferences, please visit gcuc.co. See you soon. So another thing that I absolutely love about Room that I learned was your your focus on sustainability and your product being recyclable. And I absolutely commend you guys for that. It's so important. What other certifications or projects are you working on to and to incorporate in the future in those regards? Yeah. So you know, materials was de- was definitely the starting point. Our phone booths use uh, just over a thousand recycled plastic bottles in in the construction of of, of each phone booth, and so yeah, that's that's been really important. But it's just a really small piece of the overall sustainability strategy and approach, right? Mm-hmm. So um, outside of materials, the second step is really supply chain. So uh, we've done a lot of work to regionalize our supply chain. So instead of doing lots of importing from overseas, we really try to source from from domestic suppliers. Uh, we manufacture in, in the U.S. for North America and Love we, that. You know, have about 20% of our sales in Europe. And we have a manufacturer in Europe right now that's spinning up there as well. So everything, you know, we want to have local supply chains to minimize that transportation and, and the carbon emissions from from that. So that was that probably took us honestly two years to mm-hmm. fully reconfigure the supply chain. But we are we're very much regionalized 
right now, um, which is something that we're proud of. In terms of certifications, we did just get FSC certified as a company. Mm. Um, and so that's you know a lot in terms of the wood products that we we're using and how we yeah. sort and all of that. And uh, that was a process uh, that took quite some time and was also, you know, an investment. And then I think, you know, beyond those things, materials and supply chain design, we really think that the future of sustainability is to make sure that offices can be, that we can eliminate those those wasteful cycles that I was talking about where it's tear down, build up, right? It's because yeah. when you're using drywall, I mean, drywall is designed to last six, 60 to 70 years. Offices do not last that long. And most frequently, you know, you'll tear down drywall once every 36 months. So it's incredibly wasteful. The amount of landfill that is taken up by construction materials and and uh, and and that those wasteful cycles is is really insane. It's something like 600 million tons per year, and it's also uh, very kind of um, carbon emitting, right? When you do when you when you go through those mm-hmm. cycles. So we actually did a study with Columbia Business School, some a professor there and some of his MBA students. And we studied, we did kind of the life cycle carbon emissions uh, analysis of what a 10-year office looks like where mm. you use fixed construction versus uh, if you use modular architecture, such as room, where you're not using drywall, but using products that can be reconfigured and redeployed. Um, mm-hmm. depending on different tenants and, and whatnot. And what the group found was that you, the modular approach saves over 33% of carbon emissions over that 10-year wow. cycle. So it's something that I think that we're really excited about because we really we really don't think that fixed construction is the way the offices should be deployed. Uh, mm-hmm. We really think that the modular approach is 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 as I said much more sustainable and affordable and flexible and that it is it is the future. Yeah, 100% your future proofing your business and younger generations greatly care about how businesses are addressing their future and I think that's a very smart strategy. So switching gears, I know you guys were affected by Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. Sorry about that. And just curious how that's making you feel about the uh, the economy, the future of real estate, the future of co-working, and would would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, we 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 were impacted. You know, we're we're a venture backed business, and we started uh, banking with Silicon Valley Bank, and definitely unnerving to mm-hmm. go through that experience where you know that seventy two hours we weren't sure. How yeah, I was accessing funds. Yeah, I was talking to somebody on your team, and I'm like, it, it never occurred to me that my bank could disappear. Like, it yeah. literally didn't until yeah. that day. So, you know, it it adds to the the level of uncertainty that we're experiencing in the economy, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. it doesn't help uh, when people are trying to make these capital decisions when there is that kind of uncertainty. I think it it, it does make me. Yeah, it definitely makes me worried about commercial real estate, and a lot of a lot of people think that the next shoe to drop is CRE debt, right? And the amount of CRE debt that's held by regional banks is it's it's astronomical, right? And mm-hmm. and there's a mismatch between the ability to service those debts because of occupancy rates and those debts coming to maturity, right? So it's you know. Frankly, I, it's it's a, it's a little bit scary. Um, and the Silicon Valley Bank crisis, I think, highlights how fragile the system can be. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, until 
interest rates truly become more stable and we're not just on this upward trajectory and you know i think it can be you know i i don't think we've seen the the worst or i don't think we've seen the the bottom of what we're currently experiencing yet so you know as a as a as a the ceo and the business owner i need to make sure that we are equipped to withstand any type of ongoing downturn even though we do see that you know surging demand when because people are looking for solutions like ours but you just never know i think yeah uh, Adam Newman and all of the co-working spaces always made the argument that co-working spaces would be anti-cyclical, that mm-hmm. in times of recession, people would flock to flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, I think we are seeing that, but not evenly distributed across yeah. players. Um, totally. And so it's 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 not just a it's not a blanket statement that can hold true. And the reality is in recessionary environments, you don't I don't think anybody can truly predict how people behave until until we're there. Right. Well, so I opened my co-working business kind of at the tail end of a recession. I opened in 2010. And we got a lot of people who just couldn't be in their home alone anymore. And they needed to be around people. Um, and they needed to experience a vibrant community and it really helped them and helped their mental health. And so I'm, I'm still betting big on co-working suburban. Co-working urban is dependent on city, right? So like DC not coming back. San Francisco, super interesting. And, you know, I think that real estate is just another one of these things that's just incredibly ripe for disruption. The, you know, I'm going to buy a building, carve it up, demand 30 year leases and collect checks doesn't work anymore. And at the core of that, it's because the humans changed. You know, the thing driving the fourth industrial revolution is the changing nature of work. It's not AI, it's not the robots, it's the changing nature of work. Mm -hmm. And what changed was the humans. And the humans are like, I'm not going to go work in that corner facing a wall anymore to make my money. It's just not okay. I need flexibility. I got it in the pandemic and I'm not willing to go back. And people can stomp their feet and demand as much as they want, but we just go get a different job if we don't like the environment you're forcing me to go to. You don't get to force us to do it anymore. Now, what's interesting is that's not happening around the world. Like in other cultures, your boss says, go back to work and you go back to work, period. So it's different around the world. It's definitely evolving. And I think we'll see changes for years. I am also incredibly uncomfortable with the amount of debt that is at risk because the other thing about the real estate market is they can't turn on a dime. They're too big. They're too slow. It's too archaic. They can't evolve fast enough. But you know who can? Co-working spaces. Yeah. No, I think I think I, th- I think you're spot on. Um, I, and I we've seen a lot of demand in for co-working suburban kind of real estate, mm-hmm. and also in in co-working in places that are not traditionally conceived of as office, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think there was there was a New York Times article about how about Saks Works, where Saks Fifth Avenue is opening up a co-working location, yeah, flagship retail. And I think that that makes sense. You know, it's not you're not going to just go into the commute into the central business district for work five days a week. You're going to go somewhere that's convenient. And that means that it could be in multifamily residential. It could be in retail. Mm -hmm. 
environments. It could be in, you know, public transportation. Co- what does co-working in airports look like or in hotels, right? Totally. Um, so we're really excited about those changes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that room has a role to play in all of those different directions. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think... Someone mentioned this to me the other day. I think I think co-working and, and that flexible office providers were at that. We are at the what do they call it? I think it's the in the Gardner hype cycle. It's like the slope of enlightenment. I think mm-hmm. we're coming out of the valley of despair, if you will. And people are, you know, this is where the blocking and tackling really is required. Mm-hmm. The strong operators are required, uh, and it's not just kind of riding this hype wave uh, that I yeah. think rise the you know, late teens as mm-hmm. we work in NoTel and all those players kind of really were, were growing super quickly. So yeah, I think yeah. this is, this is um, a period of time for, for blocking and tackling, building, making smart decisions, but, but the trend is clear. It's up and to the right. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So um, last question for you, my favorite question, and I'm super interested to hear about this from you because I have some thoughts, but I want to know, Brian, what is your superpower? Yeah, I I studied English literature and economics in college um, Mm -hmm. and very different things, very different disciplines, different parts of the mind. My first job was as a teacher in in Ecuador where I taught English at a high school. And, you know, honestly, what I've always been driven by is is curiosity. And mm. it is just this insatiable curiosity that has led to uh, to the different opportunities I've had in my life. And uh, I think it's curiosity that will lead you to unique takes on old industries. So I guess I would say that curiosity is the, the superpower. That's awesome. I love that. I, I also am very curious. I'm actually, you know, I recently got a degree in foresight, which is the method to forecast the future. And it's all about the curiosity. You know, it's like, oh, I want to dig deeper on that piece. And what about this piece? And what could happen here? And so I, I totally get that. It's not a, yeah, it's not, if it's not a straightforward path from point A to point B, then curiosity is, you know, I think the, 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 the best guide. Pulling at the yarn, Brian. Pulling at the yarn. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm super looking forward to seeing you in Chicago next week and hearing more from stage. And it was just a pleasure to get to spend more time with you. So thank you for your time. I used to thank people for their time and tell them that it was their most valuable asset. But then I realized that I was wrong. It's actually your health that's your most valuable asset. And one of the things I love about your business is it provides a space for people to breathe and take a little break. And so I think that like having having that focus is really important and you guys clearly do. Thank you for that. And I look forward to seeing you next week as well. Awesome. Thanks. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast. Thank you.